When Taylor was growing up, she was homeschooled, and you could say she led a pretty sheltered life. But then, one day, that all changed. Today I went to Julie's 15th birthday party, my first real teenage party since I missed out on a lot with homeschooling. I saw, heard, and learned a lot of things I never wanted to experience until I was older, or just never. (laughs) But there was one thing I learned that shocked me a lot. Wet dreams doesn't mean wetting the bed. (laughs) Not even close. That's Taylor writing in her diary about an unexpectedly revealing birthday party. And this, this is Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids. I'm Dan Meisner. This is a show where we go back in time to remember the good, the bad, and the awkward parts of growing up by reading childhood and teenage writing on stage in front of a crowd. This time, recorded live in Victoria, British Columbia, we have a big move to a new city, the similarities between humans and dinosaurs, a celebrity crush on a Canadian heartthrob, and much more. This stuff is weird, it is wonderful, and like the definition of wet dream, it doesn't always mean what you think it means. So think about who you were when you were a kid and stick around. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Is anybody in the room one of those people who, as a kid, really liked the idea of keeping a journal, but practically speaking, wasn't all that good at doing the writing part of keeping a journal? (laughs) When Elise was aged 4 to 11, she kept a childhood journal. It spans an awful lot of years but it's two pages long and a single entry with what can only be described as large gaps in between the entries. Please welcome Elise to our stage. (laughs) All right, so about the first four years of this entry is poorly spelt and one long run-on sentence, so... Bear with me. Um, Saturday, April 1st, 1997. My name is Elise Pokoradu. Next line, mess that up. My name is Elise Pokoradi. <laughs> A long, long time ago, there lived dinosaurs. Some ate plants, but some ate meat. You would want to stay away from the ones that eat meat if you were there when the dinosays were there. And we are like dinosaurs. We don't smell like them. We don't eat the exact same food as them. But yeah, we're kind of like them because some people are nice and some people aren't that nice. But each person that isn't that nice, they still do 
have at least a little love in their heart. <laughs> and nice people at least have a little tiny whiny insy bincy teeny weeny meanness in their heart. <laughs> well, I'm in grade two and I'm going to Disney World with my sister Carrie. My sister's name is Carly. <laughs> Time flies, we are already back. Brackets, that's because I didn't write. <laughs> Next week, I'm going to Darien Lake, it's, and then it's almost time to go back to school. Well, I'm going swimming now. Goodbye, I will eye you tomorrow, and I will tell what happens. Well, I'm in grade four now. <laughs> the last time I wrote, I was in grade two. Oh my God, I feel so bad. I just dropped the cat down the stairs. <laughs> exclamation point, exclamation points. Frown face underneath. She tumbled down. No wonder she bites me. Well, I'm in grade six now. <laughs> I'm 11. The last time I wrote, I was in grade four. Let me fill you in a little. OMG, I hate Felicia. Ugh, she's so annoying. She's a horrible, backstabbing, rude, unloyal, immature friend. No, I wouldn't call her a friend. I'd call her a witch with a capital B. Well, I started hating her Friday, October 3rd, 2003. <laughs> well, other than that, nothing much has happened this year. <laughs> I'll try to write as much as possible. And then I think that I decided that anything beyond that, I would regret deeply <laughs> writing down. So that's the end. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Initially, when Elise signed up, I knew that her entries spanned a number of years. I did not know they covered the entirety of recorded history going back to the dinosaur times. <laughs> At Grown Ups Who Thinks They Wrote As Kids, there are certain formats that are always popular. School assignments, diary entries, poetry. But every once in a while, we hear a type of kid writing that's less common. Hello, Daddy. This is Sheila speaking. I don't know whether you can recognize my voice or not, but anyhow, you can make an attempt that. Our next reader, Sheila, was a teenager during the Second World War. Her father was a colonel with the Calgary Highlanders and was sent overseas. And as a way to stay in touch with her father, Sheila made an audio recording, a record of her own voice, to be sent to her father. This is a novel idea, isn't it? It's making me reckless, except that I'm quite at loss for something to say. At our Victoria show, Sheila got on stage to read a transcript of that record more than 75 years after it was first made. 
testing. <laughs> One, two, three, I have your attention. This is from side one. Hello, Daddy. This is Sheila speaking. I don't know if you can recognize my voice or not, but somehow you can make an attempt at it. It's a novel idea, isn't it, this making a record? Except I'm quite at a loss for something to say. <laughs> not now. I just love being down here in Toronto. Of course, I like Calgary better, but then that's perfectly natural, isn't it? Toronto is a huge place. I've been out every Saturday, and I've had just a marvelous time. I went out for the Thanksgiving holiday with a day girl and pretty well saw the town. It was simply wonderful. I've had oodles of letters from Mother. We really correspond quite regularly. As you probably heard, Sen is the proud father of 13 puppies. Aunt Dorothy took me out last Saturday and she said they're darling. Freddie, my younger brother, now 87, <laughs> wants one quite badly and even shed a few tears, I'm told. But Mum says she couldn't have another t dog tear up Cope's garden. One was enough. <laughs> You're probably wondering how Aunt Dorothy took me out. Well, it's a long story, but I'm leaving the petty things in. So I might as well tell you this. <laughs> Aunt Dorothy was visiting Louise, and so when she was in Montreal, she took Sydney out, my darling, lovely, older sister. And when she was in Toronto, she picked me up. She didn't seem overly enthusiastic about seeing me. But I guess that's just her manner. Remember how we used to laugh at her out at the ranch? It was fun, though. It's really a mumbo-jumbo record, I'm afraid, but there's so much I want to tell you. I don't know where to begin. Side two. Sydney is really the worst nut. The way, she, the way she goes around with a boy for about two weeks and then gets sick of him. Mother and I are disgusted with it. I've been seeing a lot of Ruby Arthur in here, and I think she's a peach of a girl. She's lots of fun and quite cute looking. I sleep in two bedrooms with a girl from St. Catherine's. I'm just crazy about her, and we get along wonderfully. It's really more fun, and you don't know how much I love it here and appreciate Mom and you sending me here. My studies are better this year, too, you'll be glad to know. <laughs> I sound awfully stiff and formal on this record, don't I? But I'm really not trying to. I'm trying to make it sound just as if I was talking right to you. My time's up. So good night, Daddy, and Merry Christmas, and a Happy New Year. And I hope we'll be seeing you soon. 
then there's a little more on the record. Daddy darling, I've just discovered that my record wasn't the full three minutes long. <laughs> and that I really can say some more. I don't really have anything to tell you except that I miss you terribly. I always did tell you you were my best beau, didn't I? I remember the ranch and the bluegrasses we were going to roam with all the thoroughbreds. I guess we still have the thoroughbreds from the sound of your last letter, but I don't know about the ranch. This is really goodbye now. I miss you very much, Dad. And when you see me again, you may find my features different, although I'll always really be the same. Thank you. You can catch Sheila at our spin-off series, Grown Ups Read Transcripts of Audio Recordings They Sent to Their Fathers During the War They Recorded as Kids. Read a very mumble-jumble record, I'm afraid, but there is so much I want to tell you, and I don't know quite where to begin. When Erin was a kid, she used to write letters to her parents. But these weren't any ordinary type of letters. These were what Erin calls negotiation letters <laughs> that she would use to try and negotiate things like her allowance, changes to her bedtime. And tonight, Erin is going to read one of those negotiation letters that she wrote to her parents. Side note, her folks are here tonight. Please welcome Erin to our stage. Yes, they are here. Hello. <laughs> One other piece of context you need to know. Tyler is my younger brother by two years. 13 years old. My family life. Pros. $30 monthly allowance. $5 weekly allowance. Car rides when needed. And freedom to talk on the phone. Cons. Supper when mom works, dishes, vacuuming, babysit Tyler, early bedtime, early curfew, be in bye. Almost no sleepovers, no phone in my room, two hour TV limit, clean room once a week. <sighs> Do my own wash and iron 95% of my clothes. <laughs> You've always said that you'll meet me halfway when it comes to privileges, misspelled. Take a look. Take a look at the uneven columns above. <laughs> this, this is not halfway. I am being unfairly treated by underlined, overly strict parents. I'm 13 years old. I don't smoke or drink or do anything especially bad. I get good marks, remember my award? I don't, I don't remember that award. 
but yet I'm being treated like I'm at the Brandon Correctional Institute. I'm getting angrier and angrier at the both of you. It used to be Tyler who was my enemy, and you were my friends. The tables have turned, and you, underlined, are the negatives. Wait for it. You've lost my trust. And now, now, you're losing my respect. (laughs) Do not ignore this letter. I'm dead serious this time. My favorite part of that is how towards the end it takes a turn and starts to read an awful lot like a ransom note. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. A big part of our show is about coming of age and the transition from childhood to adulthood. And I love it when a piece of writing captures what that's like, to be right on the border between these different stages in life. When Gregory was 17, he moved to Montreal to live on his own for the very first time. And just before he moved, he wrote a diary entry. At our Victoria show, we got to hear that diary entry and a list Gregory wrote of things he loved. Um, So this is just before I moved to Montreal, actually, to start doing gay porn. So... It's actually quite uh, nostalgic. (laughs) I'm listening to Tori Amos again. She's singing about black swans and gumdrops. I'm alone at John's with my present boyfriend. He's out with Danielle. Relationships are strange because suddenly you are two people and you're that much closer than any other kind of relationship. Ride on, Tori sings, in her best way. Aren't we all just struggling to escape some hovering darkness, to poke our beautiful heads out of the dirt? She does it so beautifully. At night, John and I sleep with the window open and listen to the crickets. His cat, Beazle, sleeps with us. I prefer her presence by my head instead of at my feet. As she tends to weigh me down, I can't move. I realize I'm getting everything I'm asking for, God gives me nothing but gifts of self-discovery and relating. It's terribly overwhelming at times, but worth it. Although sometimes I doubt my ability to stay sane. You're so together, some of my friends say, and ultimately I know I am. But that does not make things lose their intricacy. The tininess of it all, the non-ability to describe something indescribable, 
I'm at Lisa's house with D and J, being drunk and drinking. Some days I fear it will grow into some dark creature who lacks the vibrancy and the togetherness that I now possess, that I'll forget who I essentially am. And then I get lost in the questioning of whether or not something is right or if it's wrong. I know that this is not who I am. I am something else. But that something continually argues with the mind about what is more real, more valid, more good. I really hate arguments, especially the ones inside of my own head between yin and yang. The battle continues, and I have to wonder whether or not it will always be there, or if perhaps it's actually the point of all life. All I know is that I'm experiencing change so rapidly that it's frightening, and I wish for it to slow down. I want quiet embrace between all the parts of me, quiet togetherness, quiet unity. I'm choosing, I guess, about everything. How dark is it in other people's minds? I know I'm not alone. There must be an equally terrifying amount of confusion inside other humans' minds. I'm never not really alone, ever. This all sounds terribly depressing, when in reality it's not. I do feel really good about things in my life. I guess it's just that it's constantly happening, you know? Constant is my mot de jour. <laughs> I'm drawn toward completeness. I recognize unity. I'm fine, and I'm oh so ready for you, oh so ready for God. After the show, Gregory called in to reflect on his diary. It was really important for me to kind of document my life through writing as a young person because it was a way for me to connect with um, my inner self and my true self that didn't get kind of mixed up with other people's thoughts of me or ideas of me. I usually could come to the page and there would always be me and nobody else there. And also it just uh, made me feel like I was never alone which is always really important as a young person. If I had to go back in time and give my 17-year-old self some advice, I would probably tell him to not be so hard on himself. Um, maybe try to stay out of the club so much. Keep focused on the positive things that are happening to you and kind of ignore the things that aren't so great, and you'll be just fine. Our next reader, Tira, grew up in California, in the Bay Area. She was an athlete, she got very good grades, she graduated with honors, but as you'll hear from her teenage diary entries, Tira also had a rebellious streak. Please welcome Tira to the Grown Ups Read Things They've Heard As Kids stage. A quick heads up, Tira's diary entries acknowledge the existence of sex and drugs, a lot of drugs. Oh my gosh. I got hella stoned today at lunch. <laughs> it was like major weed day. It was just going to be me, Alex, damn, she's cute, and Abby, and then more people came so much that we had to do two pot circles near separate trees. <laughs> but it was damn tight. <laughs> and the last bowl we all had was a community bowl. 
Anywho, we had major weed going on. And then me and Alex had weedage after school too. It was hella funny because we needed a can. And we got one. And the can we used probably still had flavor in it because our bowl of weed was iced tea flavored. (laughs) We went back on campus and we couldn't stop laughing. Fun, fun, fun. Friday, October 8th, 1999. Uh, Yay, it was actually a dope day today. I think I did well on all three tests I took. And I went to the GSA meeting, so that's the Gay Straight Alliance meeting. A lot more people that I know from my classes are in it than I thought. (laughs) Oh yeah, I'm having weed withdrawals. Boo to that. And I want slash need to get boinked. Natalie is very good at flirting back at me, at symbol. I think we should be boinking pals. That would be cool. (laughs) If only I could get off punishment. Damn, this sucks. Well, anyway, I'm going to go to bed. Wednesday, 10-20-99. Oh, my, what a hilarious day this was. Everything was bomb. For instance... I get off punishment next weekend. Yay! I can go out and party again and stuff. It's about time. (laughs) Thanks, There are a lot of different types of teenage crushes, and one of the most potent forms of teenage crush is the celebrity crush. When our next reader, Brett, was 15, she kept a diary, and at our Victoria show, she shared a few selected entries. And these are all about her love and obsession of a certain Vancouver-based actor. I will admit, I do not know who Devin Sawa is. Apparently you do. And Brett was very much in love with Devin Sawa growing up. We're going to hear all about it. Please welcome Brett to our stage. Friday, March 19th, 1993. Hi, this is my first day writing in you. I'm 12. Today we went to Orchard Park, a mall. I got a poster of Boys to Men. I also got a body shop shirt. My mom keeps on bugging me because I don't have any tits yet. It's really getting on my nerves. (laughs) Gotta go, Brett. (laughs) Couple years later, I'm 15. Dear Alex, Laura and I went downtown. I got quite a few things. Oh, I forgot to tell you. On Tuesday, we went to see the movie Casper. It was real life and really good. At one point, the ghost, Casper, comes alive. The guy who played him is so unbelievably hot. His name is Devin Sawa. Doesn't Brett Sawa sound good? Oh my God, you wouldn't believe how hot slash cute he was? I have to get a picture of him. July 1st. Dear Alex, happy Canada Day. Anyways, remember I told you about Devin Sawa? 
Well, on Thursday, I bought a big bopper magazine. Pretty boppy, eh? With uh, actually just for a picture of him. He looks so good. I'm going to make a small collage now of him and Jonathan Brandis, a babe. Here it is. Dear Alex, July 2nd. I have the weirdest mixed feelings. Laura, my best friend at the time, Laura's gone, and I know I'm sad. It's so quiet now. And then there's Devin Sawa. (laughs) He is so utterly gorgeous. I know I have a chance of one in a billion of meeting him, but I have the funniest feeling in my stomach, almost like I need him, though I really don't. I got another magazine of him, and this time it has a center pullout. I'm going to stop buying things on him and get over this crazy obsession. My God, I think it's my hormones. See ya, Brett. (laughs) Later that night. Dear Alex, not much tonight. I had a little cry after I talked to you last over missing Laura and being confused about Devin. (laughs) Monday, July 3rd. Dear Alex, my butterflies aren't as bad anymore. Maybe having his picture up actually helped. Maybe it's because I can now look at him all the time. So I don't have to wish he was here. I can pretend he is. I actually sit here and talk to his pictures as if they are really him. And I almost hear him respond. I used to think that people that were obsessed with movie stars were crazy. In fact, I still do. Thank you. is grown-ups read things they wrote as kids. Our show was recorded live at the Victoria Event Center in Victoria, B.C. and produced by Jenna Meisner. Olivia Nashmi is our associate producer. Our music is by Pottington Bear and Lullatone. And our closing theme is Oh Dear Diary by Sloan. Grown Ups Read Things They Wrote As Kids is more than just this podcast. It's also a live event series. We may be coming to your city soon. And it's a video series. We post new reader videos every weekday to Facebook and YouTube. To find out more, visit our website, grownups.fm. I'm Dan Meisner. Thanks for listening. <laughs>